Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. We'll find it at Romance in the Podcast. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Podcast. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week we watched... Joe, Joe versus the, the volcano. volcano. Now, this was my pick. Yeah, why did you pick this? Have you seen this before? If you remember from last week, Mikey, no, I had not seen this before. It was just one of those movies that people had told me about my entire life and I never got around to seeing. And I sort of am fine with not having had seen it. Now that you've seen it? <laughs> it this should have been a me pick. This should have been a me pick, I think. Are you mad that I picked it and you didn't no. pick it as a Mikey movie? I'm just saying you wasted your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is so weird. And like it's I loved it as a kid because it's it's like there's bright colors and it's like goofy, <laughs> but it's also like really dark and then like it's like surreal. It's it's like actually really, really kind of crazy. Yeah, this this is a tough one for me because there yeah. are parts of this that I really like and parts of it that I vehemently dislike. And it was my first time, too. It was one of those movies I'd always heard about. And then I had seen the last 10 minutes of the movie before. Oh, yeah, that's it. Have a completely different pace than the first 90 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. And so I had a very different picture of this movie in my brain, I think. Yeah. yeah, man, I had seen like the poster and stuff like that for this movie. I didn't see the trailer, but I thought it was going to be like this fun island romp between two people as they fall in love. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, but it is not at all that. They're on the island for 30 seconds before they get spit <laughs> off of it to their impending doom. Yeah, I'm here for a highly stylized romantic comedy. Like, I'm here for that. Scott Pilgrim is one of my favorite movies. Like, I can take some magical realism with my romantic comedy. Yeah. I can take very stylized filmmaking with it. But I think my frustration with this movie is for all the cool, inventive things that they do with set design and cinematography and all kinds of stuff, they just don't do anything with the story. This entire movie is monologues and montages. And it gets exhausting. Well, I think montages are great, and I am here for it. <laughs> oh, I'll say, I'll say this, Mikey. I didn't hate this movie. I really hated the first 20 minutes of it, maybe 25 minutes of it. And then it sort of gets fun and weird and interesting, at least interesting enough to keep me watching. And I sort of enjoyed it after the first 20 minutes. <laughs> that whole beginning section reminded me of the movie Nothing But Trouble, which is a terrible movie. After they leave his day job, Job, it gets much much better this movie is the epitome of telling not showing and i don't know why it's a movie like when you told me that someone made this well no when you told me that somebody made this into a stage play i was like 
That makes sense. Yeah. This should be a stage play. It would be a lot more watchable that way. And then when I was researching the director, one of the Oscars he won was for Doubt, which also I really liked, but also probably should have been a stage play. Doubt was a stage play. Doubt is amazing. We're never going to be yes. able to do it because it's not a horror movie or a romantic comedy. <laughs> but right, man, right, right. it's so good and so subtle. I love that movie. And Meryl Streep, right? Yes, Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, and yeah. Amy Adams. It's amazing. Yes. Guys, can we just talk about Doubt for an hour and a half? No. <laughs> to set the stage of Joe vs. the Volcano, it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in their first film together. Right. Written and directed by an Academy Award winning writer. Really? Yes. He won the Academy Award after this. Okay. This was his test run. Okay, that well, makes sense. This was him <laughs> getting the weird out of his system. Now, he wins for Moonstruck, which is also a weird movie. I didn't know Moonstruck was after this, but I'm surprised they let him make it after this. Well, here's my thing. There is a part of me watching this movie that's like, I want to see this three drafts from now. I want two other writers to come in and do a chop job and like cut all the monologues, just make it more of them living in this world and not just giving speeches to each other all the time. And I am here for this movie. <laughs> I mean, it would be really cool if the characters had like dialogue back and forth. Yeah. Instead of just yes. monologuing at each other. Yeah. That'd because be cool. we don't really learn anything about I mean we kind of learn about him but like no one else has any more than a two-dimensional personality also definitely doesn't pass the Bechtel test well no the only female character plays all of the parts Paige <laughs> I know <laughs> first off here's what I love about the movie I really relate to Joe because he just goes from scene to scene someone wanders in has a monologue when really discloses too much about themselves Joe yeah. looks confused makes kind of a joke and the scene's over and that's pretty much a sum of my life but why do we have a movie of that mikey no one wants to sit through that i sit through it every day Paige. <laughs> this is why no one's buying your life rights mikey right. <laughs> but i think my frustration is there's so many cool things about this movie the art design is cool the cinematography is cool it is the story is weird the characters are weird and that's what we get is just people wandering from scene to scene with no causality or purpose. Yeah. Why? This could be great. <laughs> and the things they say are so crazy. It's so great. This was written by somebody who took philosophy 101 and decided that they knew better than their parents. Like that's this <laughs> whole movie. Well, and then also decided that that was enough philosophy for them. Yes. <laughs> I was texting page <laughs> quotes because everything was making me laugh. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some very, very funny scenes in this movie. Yeah. I don't even know if it was intentionally funny, but everything was making me giggle because this movie is so silly and weird. It's kind of silly and weird until the last 10 minutes when it becomes a legitimate, well-paced comedy yeah. for 10 minutes. Yeah. And it, for those last 10 minutes, I'm like, I'm here for fucking all of this. Yes. And then the movie ends. And I'm just like... <laughs> Why couldn't the whole movie be I this? know. Had the movie been the last 10 minutes, I would have been on board. Like, they arrive at the island as scene four instead of scene 30, and I would have yes. been on board. I mean, you take more time on the island, obviously, but, like, that's a good movie there. Counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> Make a tape. The last 10 minutes may be super racist. That's true. That is true. <sighs> and this is something you and I talked about via text where I was like... <laughs> I don't know if this is racist. It might be racist. It's made up, so maybe it's not. But I feel they, like it's based on real people, which it's a little close. But then they have like a story where like a boat of Irishmen like land there and stay. So I don't know if it was like 
It was Romans. The Romans. Too. Yeah. Romans. Yeah. It's so, like, I don't know if like that was supposed to like be the cover of the whitewashing or the weird racist. I, I have a, a plot twist that I think could have fixed this movie. Huh? He wakes up at the end and it's all been a dream because he had a brain aneurysm and Meg Ryan is his nurse. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole movie has been like a Jacob's Ladder scenario while he was having a brain aneurysm. I mean, that would absolutely explain why she plays every female character. But let's just get into it, though. Let's talk about it. All right. So uh, we start with a title card that says once upon a time, there there was a guy named Joe who had a very lousy job. Yeah. We see his car parked literally in a puddle. He steps into the puddle. <laughs> Everything is gray. <laughs> Everything is wet and muddy. And I just have in my notes, is this the Great Depression? I did not think this was a period film. Is this a period film? I don't know. The factory looks like a giant cassette tape in Russia. Yeah. It looks like the 1984 Apple ad. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they're they walking up this like walkway that's the same style as the logo of the company. And that logo actually shows up a bunch of different places, too. Yeah, yeah that symbols everywhere. They walk past signs. One of them says home of the rectal probe. Yeah. Well, and like petroleum jelly. Yeah. And... 50 years of petroleum jelly. Yeah. Uh, there's revolving doors that are made of spikes, more puddles. Uh, th I mean, I felt like... As we were getting into this part, I was like, this is the visual personification of going to a job that you hate. Regardless yes. of what the job is, it just it's that element of everything about it and everything around it becomes so oppressive. You can't even stand to be there. I 100% agree with that. But you don't need to take five minutes and three seconds to show me that. You can sum all that up in 30 seconds. I found the beginning of this movie so insufferable. It was so annoying. Well, it got to the point where I was starting to wonder if they were doing it on purpose. So, like, they, he goes in, he punches the clock. There's a flower growing out of the ground that gets trampled. In my notes, I just keep being like, is this Escape from New York? What is this movie? This looks like the factory from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Honestly, if Snake Plissken came in at the end and saved them, I would have loved it. Meg Ryan would have definitely left Tom Hanks for Snake Plissken. I would leave Natalie for Snake Plissken. <laughs> <laughs> Snake Plissken was the luggage. Oh, oh, Snake Plissken was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. The volcano is Joe himself. What? The volcano is Joe's problem with commitment. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, Mikey, because it's a conversation you and I need to have. Okay. So he goes into his office and his boss is loudly screaming, repetitively into the phone yeah i know he can get the job but can he do the job that's not what i said and the boss's voice literally immediately gave me a headache where it's like yeah it's oppressive to be in this scene with them yes let alone working in that office with them i definitely felt what joe was feeling thanks to 100 percent direction of this movie and it's a lot and it goes on for a long time but i think it's a Effective? No. Yeah. Todd hated it. I like the I opening hated sequence. it so much. I understand not liking these scenes because it does go on too long. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think it's very effective at setting up his life and how much he hates it and all of that. I'm on board for it. I get it. You could have done yeah. everything that takes place in the first, no joke, seven minutes and 34 seconds until a main character speaks in this fucking movie. You could have done all of that in 30 seconds. Well, fun fact, they had to pad the length of the movie. They had a much more big sequence <laughs> at the end on the island, but they screened it, and everybody was like, 
Oh, that's super racist. You got to cut that down. <laughs> they're Doubtful. like, Nathan Lane would not be an indigenous person on an island, so you're going to have to scale love, back on Timon, all right? I love how you never see his face. He's not using his regular voice, and I was like, that's Nathan Lane. You know like, immediately. I can still tell. Uh, so he walks past. Meg Ryan is also working in the office, and she's constantly using her inhaler, which, by the way, if you're using your inhaler that much, see a doctor. That's not good. Yeah, you have some experience with <laughs> oh, this, right, Paige? Yes, I do. But this is version one Meg Ryan, who is black haired, New York accent. Her makeup looks weird. I did not recognize her. I did not recognize her. Yeah, I did. I have in my notes, is this Meg Ryan question mark? Because I was not sure until much later. It totally was Meg Ryan. It's Dee Dee is her character name. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the girl in the office that he works out of, which is like the advertising office, I think. Yeah. He's an ad copy librarian for a medical supply factory. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't think that job ever existed. They just put like three different job titles together. I think and I think this scene should be compared to scenes like Office Space or uh, the opening of Shaun of the Dead. Things that accomplish the same thing in a much different way, in a more relatable way. Yeah. And I feel like if there's one thing this movie is guilty of, it's not being relatable. It's being inventive, but not personal or vulnerable in any way. I will 100% agree with that. So during the scene, we get a close-up of the artificial testicles prototype trophy. Yeah. I don't know why they have a trophy of that, but we, we linger on it enough for me to write it down. That's really funny. I didn't notice that. Yeah. He goes into his office which is like the back of this kind of office section and he pulls a lamp out of the file cabinet slaps the buzzing light above and turns on the tropical lamp and this is where we find out that he doesn't have enough catalogs because he reminded his boss three weeks ago and two weeks ago but not last week so his boss didn't order them because he didn't trust them to order them it's just it's the worst job everyone's ever had also everyone has had that boss before (laughs) fun fact All the scenes in the movie are on that lamp. Yes, I did know that. That's in my fun Mm -hmm. facts for later. Mikey, you have unlocked a fun fact. (laughs) Before I found that in fun facts, I assumed that (laughs) when watching the movie. I was like, oh, it's his future in a lamp. But (laughs) not to take the boss's side in this, that lamp is playing a lullaby and his boss is like, please turn the lamp off. It's distracting. And it is distracting. My favorite is Dee Dee being like, why do you let him talk to you like that? And I was like, what like you would stand up to like what are you talking yeah, he's about your right? boss we got to talk about tom hanks's long hair though oh you mean his mullet oh my god that's <laughs> somehow the worst thing about this movie this movie <laughs> seems to have no real script and yet that is the worst thing about this movie <laughs> i do think it's hilarious that joe exotic watched this movie and was like yes that's my haircut from now on <laughs> <laughs> i like that business tom hanks is the mullet and then when he like quits his job and runs away he's like uh close cropped hair please <laughs> yeah he goes on a tropical vacation Mikey and goes close cropped Wall Street yeah well the the limo driver makes him do it like that that's oh, the limo oh. driver is the one who's responsible for his sense of style I love you the mean limo my driver, favorite man. character in this movie yeah Marshall's amazing <laughs> we got to get to him though I love that dude yeah so he tells his boss he's leaving for the doctor's appointment and his boss is like again another doctor you're always sick what's wrong with you 
So he goes to the doctor's office. Oh, and it makes the movie makes implications that he's sick because he's like depressed about his life. Right. Or that there's something in the office making him sick. Right. He blames the lights, which I don't know if you've ever sat under fluorescent lights like that. It'll give you a headache. Yeah. Like yeah. it's bad. So we cut to the doctor's office where Dr. Ellison is basically, yeah. you know, how long have you felt this way? And he's like eight years basically since I left the fire department. He said that he started basically not feeling good all the time. So he had to quit. And then the doctor says that there's a black fog of tissue running down the center of your brain. It's a brain fog. It's incurable and it'll spread and you have about six months to live. Your brain will simply fail and then your body will fail. But he's not just a doctor. He's the host of Unsolved Mysteries. This is true. It is Robert Stack. <laughs> the whole time I was thinking, ooh, I wonder if they're going to solve this mystery. <laughs> 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 I mean, and the mystery does get solved as he's not a real doctor. They're like pulling up. What do they call that? Murder? They're <laughs> a yeah. Well, and I'm like, okay, if, if he got set up, how did they like he made the appointment with the doctor? Like, how does that even work? I wonder if we just didn't get like a line of dialogue that was like he got referred to that doctor by somebody. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. I mean, that never gets answered, Paige. So that's just me talking yeah. on my ass. I don't know. But like, I do feel Robert Stack's not a real doctor. He's right. very passionate about solving mysteries and getting Tom Hanks to kill himself. Which I kind of, I thought for the bulk of this movie that he was going to be fine and that the doctor had basically engineered all of this just to make him see like, see, you like your life. Where it was going to be some like just super high on his morality horse doctor and then it turned out to be a crazy rich man who <laughs> wants minerals, question mark? I thought the exact same thing. I literally wrote in my notes, I wonder if this is like a trading places kind of thing. Yeah. That has that turn at the exactly. end. Exactly, yes. The only turn I wanted to see at the end was Robert Stack coming on the screen right after it fades out of them floating away. <laughs> in a trench coat. And Robert Stack coming on and going, a murder at sea. A couple last seen floating. What happened to their remains? What caused their ship to crash? Like, I wanted that. <laughs> That, like <laughs> at the end and with the theme song playing the unsolved mysteries theme song <laughs> absolutely it would have been great so i don't think i've seen this movie since i was like 12 or 13 the way i remembered it was the doctor mixed mixed up his x-ray or something but that oh. i so i was expecting <laughs> that scene to happen and then it never happened and i was like Oh, okay. And I can see it the last time you saw this movie yeah. was when you were 12 or 13, why you would love this movie. I loved this movie when I was a kid because I was like, oh, this is what love is? I have no idea. It's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. It's so it, This is such a bizarre romantic comedy. It's like defies classification. It's just weird that like in the 80s and 90s, they were making rom-coms for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah They're like kids do you hate your life if you get a brain tumor this is what you should believe in are you contemplating your mortality do you love orange soda do you not understand racism come to the island <laughs> but yeah so he leaves the doctor's office and like goes back to his office and sort of has a breakdown on some level yeah and and gives a real strange speech that kind of rambles yeah. everywhere he quits yeah he quits and his boss is like you blew this job and i'm like no one could blow this this job is terrible <laughs> Like, this is probably revealing too much. I do love that he sort of shoves his boss into the corner and like 
doesn't yell at him, but like gets really on the line of it. I like that scene up until he was like starts talking to Dee Dee, and he's like, "You think I don't know Dee Dee's really attractive? You think I can't hear the fabric of her dress move?" Oh, yeah. You think I don't notice she's a woman? You think I don't smell her? I'm just like, what what is (laughs) happening here? Is he a serial killer? What is going on? And she's looking like, oh, oh, he notices me. Like, these are compliments to her. He can smell (laughs) me. Oh, my God. He can hear the fabric of my dress move when I shifted my chair. Which is such a weird detail. I mean, not as weird (laughs) as smelling people, but Mikey, I know you're into that. So, like, I didn't want to point that out. I like smells. (laughs) Okay, that's that's. I'm just saying that's yet another way. You're a lot like Tom Hanks. I'll take it. (laughs) We do establish in this scene that he was making $300 a week. And I wrote that down to hopefully try and do some math later. But with the weird magical realism of this movie, there's no fucking way to do any sort of real math with this movie. This movie is like... I think you you touched on it. It's like it's like if Ro- if like there was a romantic comedy in the world of Roger Rabbit. Like nothing <laughs> makes sense. We just never nothing. see any of the cartoon characters. But this is definitely yeah. In that like, world. I feel like they're the. It's like it, it really is like a, a live action cartoon romantic comedy. Yeah, it's so weird. Three hundred dollars a week in nineteen ninety would be six hundred dollars a week today. That's not terrible. I mean, it's not great, but for a low level admin job, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I do love that after he quits and like bails, he leaves. He fully leaves yeah. the office and then comes back in and asks Dee Dee out. And she's just like, yeah, a guy who had a mental breakdown and openly admitted to listening to my dress when I move <laughs> and smelling me. This is a good date option for me. Let's do this. Oh, poor Dee Dee. She, I feel like she is the saddest story of all because she goes back to work in that office the next day and nothing about her life changes. <laughs> oh, I just thought about that. And she also holds hands with a closed fist. <laughs> Yes. Well, and I think that's the representation of like at the very end when Meg Ryan's character on the island opens her closed fist. Yes. It just seems very heavy handed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have a legitimate question that I need answered and I'm glad I have two Joe versus the volcano experts here to ask this question to. Is Dee Dee the lost daughter of the rich guy? Because the other two Meg Ryan characters are his daughters and they're half sisters. In my mind, Dee Dee was the affair child. Does that make sense? Oh, oh, and she could have tipped him off to make him go to that doctor to trick him into throwing himself in the volcano. Mikey, all of this makes a lot of sense, you know? I love the fact that Dee Dee is the rich guy's illegitimate daughter but is in on the ploy, and that's how they get Tom to the doctor. He owns that company and sentenced her to admin work, and that's how she figured it out. He sentenced her to admin work? Is that what you said? Yeah. I sentenced you to seven years of (laughs) mid-level management. Gum, gum. Anyway, so they go out to dinner and he has this weird rambling, like the door to the universe is you. You're really intense. I want to know everything. And it's just like, it's hard to follow. It's so obscure and abstract and it's not regular dialogue that it makes it difficult to connect to them in the scene. Yeah, but as someone who is prone to manic states, I was like, oh, I know what Tom's going through right now. And it's great. (laughs) He is riding that high. It's awesome. 
I just thought maybe he hadn't been out with a woman in a while. Oh, I fully believe he had not, Mikey. But sometimes those kind of new experiences with the possibility of some extra fun later can kick you into that manic state. We've all been there, Mikey. She does say, I wish I was where you are, Joe. Basically like, I'll have what you're having. (laughs) (laughs) And she seems just kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. Like I I was trying to put myself in her shoes and I'm like, I would have left already. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When he leaves the table and comes back and then says when she asks, where'd you go? And he replies with, I bribed them to sing us a song that will make our hearts swell and burst. That would drive us insane and make our hearts burst is what he says. Yeah. There's no reason to stay at that point. No. I went on a date with a guy one time that was super into positivity seminars and kept talking to me about it. That date ended abruptly. I was like, no thing. No offense. We're not going to get along. (laughs) That was Paige's first and last date with Keith Raniere. (laughs) (laughs) But this is also where he reaches across the table to hold her hand and ends up holding her fist. Yes. They walk out of the restaurant. And then this scene afterwards, I kind of like where all of the city has like the specific light colors. It's very cool looking. Yeah. As they're walking out of the restaurant, you see on the side of that, that restaurant is a volcano mural. Yes. And then that's when they walk and you see the city and it's like all different colors. I really did Mm -hmm. like some of the cinematography in this. Like I don't dislike the movie after he leaves his job. I like it from this point on. They go home. They they go home together. They're making out. He tells her that he's going to die. And she's just like, "Okay, bye. I got to (laughs) go. She does not respond the way the movie 5050 led me to believe women would respond if they found out someone was dying. Yeah, I love that movie. Is that a romantic movie? <laughs> Maybe a bromantic movie. Okay. In high school, I was dating a girl and my parents like separated to get divorced and I called her and I was like, yeah, my I'm having a really tough time. My parents are getting divorced. They like, 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 they, like my dad moved out or whatever. And she was like, yeah, I just don't see this working out with us. Oh my God. <laughs> she broke up with you on the call? That Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Mikey, I think we have hit pay dirt right here in your issues with commitment. That is wild. I think we have found the inciting incident. She went to the rich school on the other side of the highway, and I feel like that was the main issue. Oh, yeah. Uh, It was the other side of the tracks problem. Was it because every time she took out her wallet to pay for things, you just yelled, hello. (laughs) (laughs) So Meg Ryan leaves and then she comes back because she forgot her bag. But she does it in such a strange way where she's like, hi, me again. Forgot my bag. Hey, we just made out. And then you told me some really emotionally like connecting stuff. And I got weirded out and bailed, but I forgot my bag. So I'm not back to talk to you about it. I just need my bag and I'm going to go. Bye. (laughs) See you in six months. Oh, wait. Bye. Oh, bye. Wait, I have a similar story and I have another story about this. (laughs) I was was talking to a girl on a dating app today. We matched up and I was like, how's your day going? And she's like, terrible. I was like, oh, why is it terrible? She's like, I'm only matching with uggos on what? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, the apartment above me flooded into my and ruined my TV and my furniture. Oh, that is a terrible day. I'm on her side, Mikey. Well, then I was like, oh, that's terrible. Um, Is your apartment going to play for it or your renter's insurance? And she's like, oh, I don't have renter's insurance. And I was like, oh, that's a red flag. <laughs> that's what I said. Yeah. That's what I- 
Because yeah. I was like, your apartment didn't require you to have renter's insurance. So we went down this like 20 minute rabbit hole where I was like asking her <laughs> about like these weird decisions she made. And I was just like, that's odd. The whole thing, I was like, you should have renter's insurance. That's responsible. And honestly required in most apartments. Uh, yeah. Well, then she said she's been celibate for four years. And I was like, why don't I just delete these apps? <laughs> But the stories are really good. Mikey, as someone who enjoys the stories, please don't. But also don't <laughs> date anyone you meet on the apps. I was like, so you're celibate and you don't have renter's insurance. That's like two <laughs> red flags. Yeah, we've got to move on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast where I just say random shit about myself. <laughs> So we cut to the next morning and he's sitting in his apartment playing the ukulele and the doorbell buzzes and there's a crazy old man there. Yes. I love this guy. I do not know his name, but he's been in other things and he's always a crazy old man and I'm here for it. Yeah. He's like Willy Wonka where he's just like, can I offer you an everlasting gobstopper and also will you jump into this volcano? (laughs) It's crazy. Okay, so he does. He set up. He he comes in. He basically, in his Willy Wonka way, is like, "I want the mineral rights for this island. They won't give it to me unless I find someone to sacrifice themselves on a volcano." And I know you're dying. Will you do this for me? <laughs> I thought it was really funny that he wants mineral rights to the world's smallest island that people live on. Right. To be able to, like, I guess, build a mine there and utterly destroy their island. No, to build a superconductor. But, I mean, yes, to build a mine there to destroy their to island. To mine the part. Yeah. Like, to make a superconductor. When we actually see that island, I was like, there's no way you could build a mine there without destroying the island. That island is like 96% volcanic volcano yeah (laughs) so he lays it out where he's basically like you don't have to jump for another 20 days uh you'll basically do whatever you want tomorrow here four credit cards then you'll fly to la board a yacht sail to the south pacific over over like a 10 to 15 day voyage enjoy the island and then jump into the volcano yeah and so he's just kind of like yeah, all right, I'll do it. I mean, he does sort of go through the why me, like how why why are you coming to me with this? Yeah. And right. he explains that, you know, you used to be a fighter fighter. I read a story about this heroic thing you did where he like saved two kids, went down mm-hmm. the ladder and then went back up to go get the third kid. It, it's like a really heroic act or whatever. So he's like, I know you got the courage to do this. And then- Yeah, especially because that was the middle child. <laughs> oh, Mikey. You have a birth order issue. <laughs> 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 but then he's like you could be like a national hero like charles Lindbergh, and i was like that's probably not the right name to use in that yeah. situation <laughs> but you're right but joe is like i'm in let's do this you know i'm dying anyway i may as well have some fun on the way out which i get yeah so we cut to the next day and new york looks in my notes i have it just that new york looks dismal in this movie And then in fun facts, I found out they filmed it in Los Angeles. (laughs) And I was like, well, that sounds about right. There are a lot of people on the East Coast that would say L.A. is the shitty New York. (laughs) It's definitely smoggy. um, And it's on fire a lot of the time. Yeah. So he orders a limo. He literally calls them and says, hey, I'd like to rent a limo for the day. You only hear his side of the conversation. He's like, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, wait, do you rent anything else? Yeah. Does that come with a driver? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where we get to meet Marshall, who is probably my favorite non-main character in this whole movie. I like him and the luggage salesman. (laughs) Yes, I like them both. Now, he gets into the limo. He's got no plans. And so Marshall 
the limo driver is like, where would you want to go? And he's like, well, probably shopping to buy new clothes. Okay, what kind of clothes? What's your taste? Where do you want to go? And he's just like, I don't know. He's just very passive. And so Marshall gets in the back seat and was like, what's your deal? Basically, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he stops the limo, gets in the back and he's like, a man is made by their clothes. Why do you yeah. not know what kind of clothes you like? And it's like, right. what is going on with you? Yeah. Clothes makes a man. Well, yeah. <laughs> what kind of clothes do you have? These ones. So no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. Marshall is super classy. Yes. Marshall to me is like the best kind of friend you could ever have. Because he asks important questions, he listens, yep. and then he helps you solve the issue, whatever it is. So, like, right. Marshall is, like, the best single-serving friend anyone's ever had. Oh, and then Marshall immediately notices his hair is terrible and makes a hair appointment for him. In all fairness, everyone's noticed that at this point, but no one has stepped up to do anything. This is why I love Marshall. He's a man of action. Yes. And this is after they go to Armani and get matching tuxes, which is pretty great. And <laughs> Dunhill and get fancy underwear. But so he does take him to get a haircut. Thank goodness. Yes. Then they go to Hammock or Schlemmer and get a bunch of gadgets. Did you notice who the haircut lady was? Yeah, it's Carol Kane. She's in the Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt. She's oh, amazing. Okay. She's also in Hunters and she plays a very different kind of character in Hunters and she's amazing. I well I love Carol Kane. I just didn't realize it was her. That's uh she's Have Fun Storm in the Castle. Yeah, like, she's in Princess I mean, Bride. Yeah. Yeah, she's in Princess Bride. I didn't even recognize her. I mean, but we don't even get we don't get anything from her. We get like No, no, a, no, no. A I'm cut just, to her and a cut away. I was just asking, Paige. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we get to the luggage <laughs> store and th you're right. This guy is hilarious cuz he's he opens with luggage is the central preoccupation of my life <laughs> and then like that dude's got a lot of baggage yeah uh and he's like you know, what are you when are you traveling and tom hanks is like i'm traveling heavy a plane and then a ship and he just goes a real journey very exciting <laughs> i believe i have just the thing and then he brings out this crazy fancy steamer trunk that's like watertight and like indestructible and he basically said if i had the need and the wherewithal and tom hanks just says i'll take four of them and he says may you live to be a thousand years old <laughs> and i, I was like that so this much. is great <laughs> and, and tom was like what do you call these and he goes oh these are the snake pliskins <laughs> and he also buys the mandolin bar which is like a bar and a mandolin yeah, in, case. in a violin case yeah <laughs> that was amazing yeah then he wants to go to the plaza and marshall talks him into going to the pierre instead and yeah. he invites marshall to dinner and marshall's like no i have a family and he's like don't you have anybody and he was like no, but I guess there are times when you're not supposed to have anyone. And then he was like, all right, you're going to be all right. And then we cut to his hotel room. I sort of like that conversation between them because yeah. it's, very, it's very clear that Joe is lonely, right? But Marshall yeah. is doing his job. He's gone above and beyond, but he's going to go back to his family now. This is where his part of the story yeah. is done. And then yeah. I, I really did like the, you know, there are some things I guess you have to do alone. And I do feel like not to get like way overboard in this movie. There is some things that are going on in Joe's life that he needs to work on. And yeah. this is the point where he starts to work on them. And sometimes right. you have to go that journey alone, man. 
I agree. Mikey is so mad at me right now. There's No, there's a lot of metaphor in this movie, <laughs> and it just makes it weirder? Well, here's the thing. I, it, it, you're absolutely right. It does just make it weirder. Yeah. But, like, I feel like if they wanted that to be the case, if they wanted him to work through his shit, then he should have maybe been alone for a while. And we get him alone here with his hotel room full of fancy stuff. He gets that one dinner alone and goes to sleep alone, and then he's never alone again until Meg Ryan is ostensibly dead on those suitcases later oh yeah and that's the only other time he's alone yeah he goes to sleep alone he wakes up and then we get to meet my favorite iteration of meg ryan me too and that is redhead meg ryan <laughs> i was on board for it <gasps> oh he he flies to los angeles oh and, yeah I'm and sorry. she I'm picks sorry. him up at the airport yes, yes. it is L.A. Meg Ryan, which I think is the better of the Meg Ryans. I I will also say the most Los Angeles a person has ever been on screen. The only thing that would have made her more Los Angeles is if she had argued with him about which freeway to take where. That's the only way. Like she she was just missing one line of like take the 405 to the 101 to the 5 to the 10 to the 210 to the 2. Like that's that's all she was missing. Everything else, pure Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> Meg Ryan's a good actress. She introduces herself as Angelica Grainamore, so she's the rich guy's daughter. Right. He, she reveals that he has told Joe not to tell her where he's going, and he hasn't told her. And she says, it's because I'm a flippity gibbet. And you're just like, oh, okay, crazy. <laughs> Okay, I had to look up that word because I thought it was made up for the movie, but it's no. in the dictionary. Yeah. It just means flighty. Yeah. Which, I mean, when I looked it up, I was like, oh, she is legit a Liberty Gibbet. She at least owns it. Oh, it's so, this whole movie is so weird. I'm so here for it. But they like go to like lunch somewhere, right? At a restaurant? Well, first, they try to walk away from the gate, and he's like, um, I have luggage. And she's like, oh, fine. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and they have to get a taxi to drive behind them with his luggage. Yeah. But here's the crazy thing. So I would assume flying in from New York, he's flying into LAX. But then they drive home along the coast? Yeah. That's impossible. No, you always take the PCH home from LAX, Paige. Well, home from where? The PCH <laughs> runs north to south. Where are they going? Don't like, ruin movies for me, Paige. As, ostensibly, they're going to Beverly Hills, which means that they should just go inland just a little bit, and that's it. And they're there. But instead, they're driving like through the Malibu Hills. And I'm just like, <laughs> um, then they go to lunch and yeah. she reveals that she's got a painting on the wall. Well, she says she's a poet and a painter. Yeah. And we do get to hear some of her awesome poetry later. We do later. But first we see her painting, which is basically a painting of the next scene. Yeah, it's the storyboards. <laughs> I really do think they just made storyboards and they were like, well, let's just throw the storyboard up there. It's fine. I think it was supposed to be a joke, but I was like, this is just weird. Yes, it's so weird. I don't know if this is funny or not. I think it's just weird. I'll argue that it's not funny, but because the whole movie is weird, if they throw in a joke like this, you don't know if it's a joke. Yeah. Does that make sense? The whole movie's like that. I know, Mikey. Especially their conversation at Makeout Point. It's all over the place. Yeah. That's why it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't like it from no, I li a I writing like perspective. Uh, but so they get to like make out point just like the painting predicted. Yeah. And she asks if you'd want to hear one of her poems. And her poem is just long ago. The delicate tangles of his hair covered the emptiness of my hands. That's the whole poem. That's the whole thing. Wait, 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 wait. I think I, 
Paige, go ahead and say it again. I think I missed it. Long ago, the delicate <laughs> tangles of his hair covered the emptiness of my hands. That legit is the dialogue from the scene because she does recite it twice. I just remember sitting there and like, oh man, this is weird. And then she turns to him and she's like, are you saying I should just kill myself? No, she says, do you ever think about killing yourself? <laughs> well, because it's clear that she's like in a melancholy state. She lives in Los Angeles. Yes. <laughs> well, you can just tell she's sad, right? And so he says, you know, what's the matter? Which, you know, I feel like you would do if you were in that situation. Right. And then she just looks at him like, do you ever think about killing yourself? And I was like, this is where you pull the ripcord on this date, like immediately. Uh, no, this is totally something that happens to me. And I'll be like, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> or like, oh, must really hard. You must be going through some hard times right now. You don't have renter's insurance. <laughs> this is not a Mikey story, but like, this is one of those stories that if it happened to you, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I have legit <laughs> had multiple people tell me they've had suicidal thoughts on dates. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mikey, how bad is your dates? Like, what are you doing to these poor women? Well, like, they'll ask about my job or whatever, and then they'll go into their story. And I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm not at work right now. Please. Yeah, right. Listen, I am a therapist, but uh, yes, I'm not exactly. your therapist. <laughs> exactly. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> Gotta lay that Mikey catchphrase on him. People don't like it when you use it in person. Well, the reason she's so melancholy is because she's living off of her father's money in Los Angeles. I was like, hello, have you met Los Angeles? That doesn't <laughs> sound bad. No, it sounds awesome. Um, It's bad because you start to feel like you have nothing of your own and you oh. have no agency in your life. Oh, wow. If I could sing all of Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River, I would right now. I mean, yes, it is first world no. problems. I'm just saying that like people who are in this position and L.A. is a wildly expensive place. It's yeah. not easy to land on your feet. I understand why a lot of people end up in this position. They're lucky that they have the ability to be. Yeah. But I also understand the frustration and sadness that kind of comes with it where you're like, I can't make it. I can't do it on my own. I am a failure. Not to get on a very weird and dark topic, but I think they're not upset because they're living off of someone else's money. The they're upset because they failed at their dream and don't yeah. know what to do with their life. And it might not even be failed at their dream. It's like, I don't know what my dream is. Oh, which that is could a, be too. Almost yeah. a harder, which is almost like a harder place. Like, I don't yeah. even know what I'm passionate about. I think the I don't know what my dream is, is is definitely for some people. I think the other thing, too, is I don't think that people have a realistic understanding of what it takes to achieve your dream. Oh, yeah. And so living your dream feels like failure for a long ass time. Yeah. And it's a difficult emotion to grapple with because at a certain point you're like, do I move home or do I keep getting parking tickets? <laughs> but it's, it's also one of those things where like, she, it sounds like she doesn't even have that. Right. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And then they have a talk where she's like, are you saying I should just give up daddy's money and leave? Yes. And that's, and see, that's where it shifts. That's where she becomes the rich asshole of Los Angeles, which is a lot of people, which is who are like, I'm sad because I'm not famous and I don't have my own money. Well, you could give up the money and do your own thing. What? Why would I do that? <laughs> which honestly is a fair question. If you have that safety net of daddy's money, why would you give that up? After the last couple of years, I would love if I would like live in LA and my family was rich and I just like was by the pool they would be like can you do something today and I'd be like maybe Mikey I have honestly been thinking about like talking to you seriously about us just quitting our jobs and just becoming handsome billionaires yeah I'm down with that I mean let's do it I I'm here to tell you guys no is it because we're not handsome enough Paige yes <laughs> that yes. is hard to hear what <laughs> 
I thought the money would be the problem, but I care about you both, but I also live here. (laughs) (laughs) I care about you both. And I have seen homeless people more attractive than you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I don't I don't know what part of the body the truth is, but man, that part of me hurts right now. Okay, when I lived in San Diego, I did go to LA quite a bit. I had a friend that lived there and I was up there visiting him and I did see someone who looked homeless but also dreamy at the same time. Yeah, oh yeah, all the time. So, I do know what you're saying is true. So, he asks her to take him back to the hotel and she offers to come up with him and he was like and he's like, "No." Which I'm going to say right now, that's the wrong call. Oh, I what? would say that's the right call. That's the very right call cuz she's just going to end up crying. Trust me when I tell you, yes, she would have. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey, what are your dates like? I'm so concerned. I don't tell stories about the good ones. <laughs> he does ask her if she'll meet him for breakfast and they agree to meet for breakfast. And then he walks to the ocean, which is like not walkable from where he is. I don't <laughs> think this is on our earth. What? This is like a parallel world where things are goofier. I'm sorry. You think that this one scene doesn't take place on Earth or the whole movie? The whole movie. Oh, yeah. We established that this firmly takes place in the Roger Rabbit universe where there are no <laughs> yeah. cartoons. Yeah. So he could have walked to the ocean. <laughs> I Sure. Fine. <laughs> but Paige, if he had just opened a door from the hotel and been at the ocean, I would not have at all been surprised. Yeah. yeah and Well, and here's the thing. That makes more sense because then I'm like, oh, this is clearly magical realism. Yes. But no, he like walks down the street and is suddenly at the beach. And I'm like, where is his hotel? Yeah. Because they establish it as Beverly Hills. But then this is clearly Malibu. Malibu kind of makes sense. Marina Del Rey makes sense because then he'd be close to the boat. But like, that's not where it looked like. Like, it well, plays fast and loose with where shit is, is all I'm saying. Yeah, but when you're in the flyover states, you don't have that kind of geographical LA insider knowledge that you have, Paige, and that's not going to bother you. Yeah, Paige, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> LA, it's all like the boardwalk and the ocean. Anyway, the next day at breakfast, she paints a painting for him, but it's like a painting of him looking at the sunset on the beach, which she wasn't there for, which was really weird. And it's literally just another storyboard, though. Yeah. She reveals that her half sister, Patricia, is right. the one who's going to be taking him to the island. And they have to meet her at the boat. They show up at the boat and she's calling him Felix because she does what she wants. Yeah, that was the weirdest <laughs> flex ever. She calls him I Felix twice so much. and then immediately stopped doing it when he asked her not to. What is this? She goes, I call you, I'll call you whatever you want because you work for my dad. and I don't respect people who work for my dad. And he's like, no, you'll call me Joe or Joseph. And she's like, all right. <laughs> He was like, I respect people who show me all the red flags and weirdness right up front in the first four sentences of their of our conversation. I mean, yeah. let's start a dating app called Red Flags where it just asks you all your bad <laughs> traits and then you can just go in knowing that like, okay, this person snores and they are uh, they have an anxious personality type. Don't have rental insurance. Yeah. <laughs> they- I would legit love that app. like i want to know all the red flags going in i think honestly guys this is a million dollar app idea right here i I mean it really is (laughs) 
<laughs> divorced twice. We should cut this out of the podcast. And as someone who is divorced, ouch that you think that being divorced is a risk. I said twice. Natalie has been divorced twice. <laughs> you should swipe left. Guys, we've got all three. We got the hat trick divorces between me and my girl. I thought you were talking about Paige, you and I. No. And I was like, I don't think I got divorced yet. I like that he, <laughs> Mikey says yet. He's realistic. <laughs> I know. So he kisses Angelica on the cheek. He gets on the boat. The boat takes off and he throws his hat into the ocean as they raise the sails. Yeah. He has a fancy dinner with Patricia. This is where we find out that the Tweedledee is the name of the boat. And we find out a little bit more about the <laughs> island they're going to, Waponi Woo. Yeah. It translates to Little Island with a Big Volcano and they're obsessed <laughs> with orange soda. They were colonized by the Romans. They have a mixture of multiple influences, a love of orange soda, and no sense of directions. Which, how did they get there if they have no sense of direction? They crash landed. Oh, I guess it sort of does explain that because it was a storm that blew them around the Cape of Africa. So that makes sense, I right. guess. Never mind. Sorry. Mm -hmm. But I think that that right there is trying to retcon the type of people that live on the island right? so that they can just be like Nathan Lane types. Yeah. yeah. He also asks, you know, like, why were you snobbed? earlier we find out it's because she doesn't like her dad and this is just a favor yeah she's got some real daddy issues she monologues about it you're yeah. right she talks for like five minutes straight of basically her whole life story her dad issues and everything else yeah from the one question of why were you a little rude to me on the dock <laughs> yeah but and that's still over dinner in a later scene she does it again yeah where she asks if he slept with her sister yeah and and literally i have a bunch of her monologue written out but it's literally like Two paragraphs of just like text with no interruption. And it's almost as if there's no correlation between some of the sentences. It seems very disjointed on some level. Yeah. So she does tell him that sleeping on a boat affects your dreams. And then we cut to the next morning where we meet Amanda Plummer because she's a twofer. She was in it last week. She's in it this week. Oh, yeah. She's the uh, the, the captain, I guess, of the boat. Dagmar. Yeah. Yeah. She's the pilot, at least. I'm not sure if she'd be the captain, but whatever. Yeah. She definitely tries to fix the engine. I don't know anything else about boats. Yeah. yeah. She's like, captain, the engine's captain. Um, <laughs> so they're catching fish off the side of the boat. And then he pulls what looks like a big one. Everyone's trying to help him pull it in. And then it turns out to be a very, very comical hammerhead shark puppet. <laughs> it literally is a sock puppet hammerhead with yes. someone like working the mouth. It's making talking noises. I, yep. I thought it was funny, though, because real Meg Ryan is fishing off the other side of the boat and she's just catching fish left and right and he's catching nothing and then eventually he's like yeah i got one and they fight for like a good 30 seconds and then it's just like a shark and they all freak out it was yeah. funny it was the funny was yeah funny. also meg ryan is like drop dead gorgeous in this movie Th this version of her i think i would say slight downgrade from redhead but yeah i agree completely she's a beautiful woman I, I feel like Redhead was too crazy. Oof. Yeah. It's my wheelhouse. I feel like this movie is just Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but Tom Hanks is Goldilocks okay. and the Porridge is Meg Ryan's. Okay, hang on one second. So DD is too cold. <laughs> Angelica is too hot, which is true. And Patricia is just right? Yes. <laughs> I will give you one better. Okay. Okay. This is a fun fact for later. You've unlocked a fun fact, Mikey. Do -do 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 -do. People have compared it to The Wizard of Oz, where Tom Hanks is Dorothy, and they are the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion. Oh. Not in not in the order that he meets them in The Wizard of Oz, but okay. like- Which one is Patricia, then? 
Patricia, I think, is the Tin Man. Okay. Because she needs a heart. I can see because, that. Because uh, Angelica has no brain and Dee Dee has no courage. Oh, so he becomes her heart. Aww. Aww. And then they die. After they go fishing, they have a really long monologue on the boat. This was the one under the stars? This is the one under the stars where they discuss their philosophy 101 homework. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's basically like, do you believe in God? I believe in myself. I'm doing soul searching. What interests you? Courage. And it's literally just this rambling monologue that is the thesis statement of the movie. But we've already like, like the movie is already showing us this. You don't need to tell us this and it's exhaustingly long it's like 10 and a half minutes long there's a lot of this type of stuff in this movie too yeah there's a lot of like okay this should have been summed up in 30 seconds of dialogue and then we move on to the next thing yeah it ends with him telling her that he's going to die and her being like well i guess i'll see you in the morning bye yeah (laughs) like (laughs) she just checks out of that conversation which is a common trait amongst meg ryan's in this movie yeah. When they find yeah. out he's going to die, they bone out. So we cut to the next morning and there's a typhoon warning. Oh, you mean a green smoke warning? warning? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the neon green smoke everywhere. Yeah. Super weird. Also, all, every scene on the boat is like in a soundstage. It's like yes. the water's fake, the boat's fake. Everything is fake about it, yeah. Wait, are you telling me that the Tweedledee is a miniature, Mikey? Yeah. <laughs> or there, so there's a huge soundstage at Universal that can imitate the sea and they can put actual boats on it. I think it's that. I think that's where it was filmed. That's where they filmed Truman Show and a bunch of other stuff. But like, I love the style of the movie. It's just so weird. <laughs> it is weird. You're right. It is weird. Um, there's a huge, huge storm. The boat's in severe distress. The engines aren't working. Oh, and this is where they kiss. They kiss during the typhoon. They do, and Dagmar, Amanda Plummer, sends him to take care of her, and then basically she falls off the boat. Yeah, Meg Ryan does. Yeah, he dives in after her, and then lightning strikes the boat, killing everyone else on board. Yes, and sinking the boat in three seconds. Yeah. Yeah, the only survivor is the two of them and the Snake Pliskins. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> he puts her on a, a one of his trunks. They survive the night on a trunk. Right. He then finds the other trunks and drags them over to make like a raft. Yeah. And they're now alone on the ocean in the sun, but thankfully he has all his gadgets. And he's giving her like Perrier, like little caplets of Perrier from the bar kit in the violin <laughs> case. Well, he's trying to keep her alive. Yeah. He's trying to keep her alive. Uh, he's got a radio. Uh, so he's like dancing. And at this point in my notes, I just have needs more Wilson. <laughs> I was getting some very Wilson-esque vibes. Yeah. Um, He shaves for some reason. Uh, He's playing the ukulele. He's got the umbrella for shade. But at this point, she's been unconscious for multiple days. It's like three days. Yeah. And he is like about to die. It's like three days. And it's just a montage. He's almost dying. He's looking at the constellations and yelling at a giant moon and thanking God for the amazing moon. There was enough room under the umbrella for both of them. He didn't have to get sunburned. Well, his legs would have gotten sunburned. I mean, but he fully could have just got under the putting green that he had out there for a while while he was playing (laughs) putt-putt, which is insane. So, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mikey, you're right. They had plenty of cover. But, yeah, so he's, like, amazed at the moon and thanking God for his life, thinking that he's probably going to die on this raft. He passes out, and then he wakes up to Meg Ryan, Patricia, 
who's just like, why didn't you drink any water? And she's just totally fine, even though she's been unconscious and dehydrated and hasn't eaten for three days. Yeah, she looks great. Paige, this is a cartoon. <laughs> it's crazy. For kids. But she asks <laughs> what happened to the yacht, and he basically says lightning and everything went down. Yeah. And then they look up and they are approaching the island. So like they've magically like managed to float to the island they needed to go to. All of the indigenous peoples are coming out to meet them. <laughs> and everything they have is made of soda cans. Yeah. Like there's soda can bras. There's soda can headdresses, soda can skirts, orange. soda can weapons. Yes. Orange soda. Yes. But they're like tall boys. Like they're not even tiny. They're not regular cans. It's tall boys. Yeah. It's like <laughs> tall boy cans of orange soda. It's insane. And also, where are they getting that from? Like who is shipping them orange soda? They don't have a soda distribution plant on the island. I have no idea. And it's part of the mineral deal where he's like, my people love the orange soda. So to get that, we have to do the minerals. It's never explained. Well, if that is part of the deal, why does Joe have to kill himself for the mineral rights? I have no idea. This movie <laughs> makes no sense, Todd. But Abe Vigoda is the chief. Yes. Oh, yes. He's basically like, okay, uh, we're going to have a feast and we're going to hang out and then you're going to jump. Okay. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then Nathan Lane as like the underling. That's actually later because I have it in my notes. He met him on the water first. Yeah, he's the first one they talked to. Is he really? Yeah. Okay, because I didn't notice him until he was doing the ceremony later. Oh, oh okay, no. So Nathan Lane is one of the islanders. Yes. I love how matter of fact a Bogota is. He's yes. just like, we're going to eat and then you're going to go jump into the volcano. And that's going to be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to they've taken them away to kind of get them ready for that night. So they're like bathing Tom Hanks in a waterfall. They're making Meg Ryan look all pretty. But then they're like slapping Tom Hanks with fish with and smashing bananas yes. on him. They suck his toes. Yeah, yeah they, they they suck on his toes. Yeah. They put an octopus on his face. This is where the movie got hilarious. And I was like, how, did they suddenly bring someone in for a rewrite at 10 minutes to the end of this movie? Because this is great. I know. Honestly, had the last 45, 50 minutes been this, I'd have been on board for it. Me too. I, like, if anything, it's almost like I want this to be more weird because it exists <laughs> in like, it exists in a place where it's like trying to be too serious and then super weird at the same time. And I want better off dead. I want that level of weird. Yes. I want more weird too, Paige. Also, I really feel like we needed more time for Patricia and Joe to fall in love. Yes. I feel like they barely know each other. I know. Well, they've listened to one monologue each. What else do you need People. Oh, Mikey, uh, I have everything. a dating app that I'm going to need you to download called Red Flags. It's going to tell you everything <laughs> you need to know. Well, I have a dating app idea called Monologues. <laughs> I feel like that is that a dating app for people who spend too much time in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> or for just lumberjacks? <laughs> single lumberjacks? Yeah, that's single, a great joke. Single monologues? monologues. Guys, yeah. that's that's, I, I love it, Paige. That's I love amazing. That. So oh, my God. They, they go to basically Meg Ryan shows up to a ceremony and Nathan Lane is leading the dances and all kinds of craziness. And yeah. Tom Hanks shows up in a tux and she's like, you're really going to do it? And he's like, well, I might as well go out in style. Yeah. Uh, they throw two people against giant gongs. Holy shit. Yeah. I laughed out <laughs> loud when that and happened. Then they I love it so much. they carry them off unconscious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, so, so good. So good. 
But then Abe Vigoda basically says, like, hey, we're doing this because it's cultural, but none of my people will be the hero we need. So I'm going to ask them one more time so that you don't have to do this. Oh, I thought that that was just a formality of the ceremony. No, I think Abe Vigoda was really disappointed in his people. It, it <laughs> kind of seems that way. It reminds me of the, the scenes in Midsommar where they do the same thing, except in Midsommar, people are like, I'll burn alive in the Yellow House. That sounds Please, awesome. pick me. Yeah. Let's do it. Hooray! So as they're picking, the ground rumbles because the volcano is clearly about to uh, erupt. It has yet to be fed. It has yet to be fed. And Tom Hanks says, take me to the volcano. And they march <laughs> up the mountain. Meg Ryan tries to catch up with him. And they get to the top and he's like, is there any ceremony or anything? And they're like, no, nope. you just jump in. <laughs> we didn't bother to write that part. We wrote yeah. a bunch of monologues for people on the ocean. Didn't write anything else for this. Yeah. This is my favorite part between Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Though. Oh, you mean where she's like, hey, do you have life insurance? And he goes, yeah. And then she's like, we should get married immediately. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I love you, Joe, or whatever. And he's like, I love you, too. And it's great. I love it. I love how it makes me feel. Bad timing, though. I got to go. Yeah, I did like a bad timing line. I thought that was amazing. Well, and so they get married, and she decides she's going to jump in with them. Yeah, they're going to jump in together. Well, first they do a ceremony with Abe Bogoto where he's like, do you want to marry? And do you want to marry? All right, you're married. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Paige, I love that you use those vows at your wedding. It was great. It worked out perfectly. Wouldn't change a thing. So they decide to jump in together basically saying we'll jump and we'll see which is like she just met him and right. for all she knows this is suicide so they should both maybe talk to somebody i understand him doing it yeah she knows he's gonna die from the brain cloud yeah he's letting her die for him i know i kind of have a real problem with that he does try to talk her out of it on there he does and then she's yeah. like no we're gonna take this as a leap of faith if you're ready to kill yourself into into a volcano do you really have time to talk this over with somebody i don't know i like this whole the whole thing where she was just like oh i met you two days ago or i guess five days ago but i was unconscious for a bunch of them let's do this <laughs> but the metaphor of them like jumping into a relationship together i guess and for some people mikey that does feel like suicide you know committing to someone long term you know like mike myers in yeah. the last movie we watched or mikey yeah. like all of those like that is a thing so they're just gonna yeah. jump into it together and see what happens i would not let her jump in the volcano with me because i would have faked that marriage just to get her to leave me alone so i could jump in the volcano but now if she's going with me like what if you're married in the afterlife like that's real commitment mikey all i'm hearing is that even after you marry meg ryan you're gonna want to leave her somewhere and go away <laughs> <laughs> what i'm what i'm hearing is mikey's fear of commitment extends beyond the physical plane <laughs> <laughs> it is beyond the grave page you are right he is worried that he has been sealed for all time and eternity to say it is like that and you just married her right now to jump in a volcano that's a more than a to death do you part that's all the times all the times i mean i i know some people believe that we get our own planet or whatever <laughs> <laughs> how dare you how dare you attack my childhood religion See, if I jumped in the volcano with Meg Ryan and let's let's see that she turns out to be different than what I thought before we jumped in the volcano, I would petition God for an annulment because it's only been 30 days. I don't think God does annulments, man. Divorce is only something they do in England. It's not divorce. <laughs> it's annulment. That's a difference. <laughs> this is an irrational fear, Michael. I hope what? you know that. And I do feel like we got to the start of it 
when you called your girlfriend in high school to talk about how sad you were about your parents splitting up and she broke up with you on that call. She's like, funny thing that I have in common with your parents. I'm also becoming <laughs> single tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Much like your parents, it is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay mikey i know what you need to talk to your therapist about when next you meet. Oh. no i mean i hope i meet someone i could enjoy the afterlife with but i mean like i can't <laughs> think about that right now this is the craziest thing to consider about having a relationship with someone <laughs> and it's amazing that it's crazier than other things you have said up till this point <laughs> But what if she's in the mob? She she's just unemployed, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't understand this fear of the Here's the thing. I think we all have our own personal beliefs about the afterlife. You you have that whatever. You don't 100% know that's real. Like that you hope so. That's what faith's about. You hope right. it's real. But you could be totally wrong and you're basing real life decisions right now for people that we know are real see Paige, yeah. the thing is he's not basing real life decisions on things we don't know are real he's finding excuses to not have to commit to someone in this very real life this makes as much sense to me as it does to be like i don't want to date that girl She's not ready for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> but that's a real thing, Paige. Oh, you you do not know Mike, that that's going to be Mikey. real. Now, Mikey. if you want to say something like, I don't know that we're going to work out because I don't like the way she handles problems when things come up. And I feel so like, it's like a wording issue. No, I think it's more of a reality <laughs> issue, Mikey. Because having a, an issue with someone's problem-solving abilities and the way that they interact with adversity in their life is different than saying, I don't think she could machete a zombie to death. But we like, have to all agree that if someone likes the last season of Game of Thrones, we shouldn't date them. Yeah, that's a given, Mikey. But like, if you're worried about, I don't think she's a good heart player, so I don't want to be with her in heaven, that is an unrealistic thing to be worried about. Okay, but what if she can't play the fiddle and we meet the devil down the road and we would lose the duel? This is it's just, it is madness. This is <laughs> madness. This is the most insane conversation I've had with you, and that is shocking. This is like, you guys know these are jokes, right? I think I hope you'd so. like for them to be played <laughs> off as jokes. Yes, Mikey. I really, I really hope so. I really do. I would just like to reiterate, and you heard this in our theme song, Mikey is single <laughs> ladies. So they jump in the volcano. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done. No, no, we have like ten minutes left. We jump in the volcano. It blows them back out. They land in the sea. They climb onto the trunks, which are somehow out at sea again. And then the whole island dies. Yeah, the whole island sinks into the sea. It's a punishment because none of the native people jumped into the volcano. Uh, okay. Now, who did you have your money on, Joe or the Volcano, at the beginning of this movie? <laughs> this wasn't a boxing match. I didn't put money on anybody. I mean, it's Joe versus the Volcano, not Joe and the Volcano, okay? Is the Volcano a child? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, it looks like it was a draw. No, the Volcano lost. It literally went down. This, I think if you drown in the ocean, that's a TKO. It's because the ocean was real wet, so it needed to go down. And <laughs> yeah. Sorry. 
so Tom Hanks learned not to fear death and to live his life to the fullest. Now he's stranded in the ocean. Yeah, and I do love that Meg Ryan is like, wait, are you really dying or whatever? She's like, yeah, I've got this brain fog. And she's like, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, he should have got a second opinion. It really just shows that you got to be careful when it comes to your doctor picking. True. And she reveals that the doctor is just her father's doctor who's like a quack. Now he's like, I'm saved. But at the same time, I'm like, you have no apartment or money and you're on a raft. They're both going to die on that raft. Oh, yeah. They're fully dead in three days. No, no, no. That trunk, those trunks have three other bars in a violin case. I love that what we don't know is that Tweedledum, the other one of those two boats, is in one of those cases. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite is when he says, wherever we go, whatever we do, we're going to take this luggage with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a good line. And then we pull back and see a shot of the moon and a title card that says, and they lived happily ever after and, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie question mark is it a movie was that a movie it's a cartoon movie for children in live action yes yes so having seen the movie having talked about it what do you guys think it's fantastic everyone should see it <laughs> roger ebert gave it 4.5 out of 5 stars he must have been on crack that day uh because this movie is so strange i don't hate it i just i'm confused by it i don't know how to feel about it that means you got to watch it again no, no it doesn't i don't think i ever want to really sit through this again because it's just a bunch of monologues with really cool scenery. Yeah. Well, the original title was The Volcano Monologues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Someone needs to do an Holy off-Broadway stage shit. show where it's just the monologues from this movie. And you call it The Volcano Monologues. I'm here for that. Todd, what do you think? <laughs> I think that was the best joke of the podcast. I also think that the movie is very strange. I love the cinematography. I love some of the acting. I love Meg Ryan as a redhead. I'm a fan, but I don't think you should watch this movie more than once. Yeah. I think it is a good movie. You should watch it. Honestly, skip the first 20 minutes if you don't want to watch the really boring, horrible beginning, but. I think it's solid for like minute 25 to the end. It's a solid movie. I will definitely say that you should watch this. It's got Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Young Tom Hanks and young Meg Ryan. Yeah. There is no other movie like this. No. No, there, there's not. And I think that's for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But I do think people should see it. Like, I'm not mad that I've seen it now. It's a movie that I had not seen up to this point, And I'm glad I've seen it because now I know that it's. You know, one you can miss. <laughs> this is like the romantic comedy of House 2. I'm not even sure if this is a romantic comedy. That's my yeah. question about this. I, I felt like it was more just his journey, but then at the end it tries to make it a romantic comedy, but there's no chemistry between them, and so it's very... Or much comedy between it's them. It's weird. If you go into it to laugh at the movie. Yes. And maybe not with the jokes, but some of the jokes do make you laugh. It's just so biz- it's so hard to explain to someone. It's weird and I feel like if we take another movie with this level of weird and this level of magical realism, look at something like Better Off Dead. It's pretty dark. It also has a bunch of weirdness and wackiness. It exists in a very world that exists outside our own for the most part. Yeah. But it's got so much more of a story and so much more characterization that you actually care about their relationship. And I would just say it's an overall better movie. I feel like this movie is a half step 
towards being either so insane that it's hilarious and a blast to watch or being so serious in an art film and it can't decide what it wants to be. I think it really wanted to be uh, an art film and it's yeah. not executed well and there's also a little bit of comedy in it. So it's this weird middle ground like you were saying. But here's the thing. Without this movie, You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle don't happen. I know, which is so crazy because who saw this and was like, we've got to get those two together again. <laughs> Honestly, probably <laughs> everyone because they were like, holy crap, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are amazing. We should give them an, an actual chance to do a good rom-com. Yeah. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. I do have some fun facts. Hit us with those fun facts. As we mentioned, well, we can't do really any math for this movie because nothing in it exists, but... Well, you have to have, like, laws of a universe have mathematics. There's, and there's no just none laws of those in here. this universe. Um, we did mention earlier that the lamp that he brings into his office displays all the future events of the movie, kind of like the tapestry in Midsummer. So it's got the yacht, the volcano, the road. It's got the full moon, and it actually plays the film's theme when turned on. So it was custom made uh, for the movie. Yeah. Um, the company logo, that kind of lightning bolt thing, is seen in mm -hmm. the entrance to the factory on the sidewalk. Right. It's also the crumbling wall in Joe's house is in that shape. Oh. Um, it's the same shape as the lightning bolt that sinks the boat. It's the same as the road that goes up the volcano. And in the film's trailer, it's actually the lightning bolt that travels up the film's title and strikes at the top of the volcano. So when you think about it that way, it's literally a visual representation of like, this is his past and this is his previous life trying to attack him at every turn. And he's overcoming it, if that makes sense. Cool. But it's so, you know, it doesn't dig into that in the movie at all. It's just kind of weird. It's just there. Yeah. I mean, I would have to have someone tell me that to get that, you know? Yeah. The movie does not make that clear. Yeah. I noticed it in a couple places. I noticed it in his wall. I noticed it at the, the factory, but I didn't notice it anywhere else. Yeah. And so I just thought it was a weird stylistic choice. When Joe and redhead Meg Ryan and Angelica are at like makeout point in her convertible, the license plate on her car reads bad girl, B-A-A-D-G-I-R-L. Nice. But when she's dropping him back at the hotel in the next scene, the front plate reads good girl, G-O-O-D-G-I-R-L. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's so strange. The coordinates that blonde Meg Ryan, Patricia, gives for their position during the typhoon are negative uh, 10.1333 and negative 150.3, which places them about 10 miles south-southwest of Caroline Island in the South Pacific. Okay. Um, oh. The film contains multiple references to losing one's soul. So... In the song 16 Tons, which plays in the beginning as he's going to yeah. work, uh, there's the lyric, I sold my soul to the company store. Yeah. Uh, later, he responds to Dee Dee's question in the factory while it's inspecting his damaged shoe, which is losing its soul. Yeah. Later, Patricia references being soul sick on the yacht. And then he has a couple exchanges with the, the Waponi's chief, Toby, because he carries like a little teddy bear that represents his soul. Uh, and he basically says that the chief hopes the chief will not lose his Toby or soul. So that seems to be, again, an overarching theme of the movie is losing your soul to your previous life that does not free you to experiences that would make your life valuable. I like the term soul sick. I think it's just in this movie. Yeah. The books that he packs as he's leaving his office are... 
Romeo and Juliet, yeah. Robinson Caruso, and the Odyssey, which basically typify the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's the movie, yeah. Uh, the mask worn by the Waponi, who is representing the evil spirit, a.k.a. Nathan Lane, uh, resembles the factory where Joe used to work. It has that same stripe, and it looks like the factory itself. The cab that was seen taking his steamer trunks to the sailboat belongs to a man named Neil Abercrombie, who at the time of the filming of this movie was a congressman from Hawaii. He what? drives a refurbished plantation era taxi. Now, this is Hawaiian plantation era, so like 20s and 30s. Right. Uh, and the graphic on the side of the cab actually has his name on it. And it's a nod to the residents of Hawaii where a ton of this movie was filmed. So the island sure. is Hawaii. Joseph Banks was the name of Captain Cook's chief botanist on his expeditions to the south pacific in the 18th century oh captain cook was not a good dude he was not and the scene where joe goes shopping again supposedly in new york city is actually filmed on rodeo drive in beverly hills and you can tell from the stores and specifically the gucci sign in the background so there you go those are your fun facts well awesome oh, thank you for those fun facts yeah, those were great mm -hmm. so you guys want to talk to box office i do yeah i have such curiosity about this. oh do you okay cool so it was filmed probably 89. It came out in 90, 1990. So what do you think the budget for this movie was back then? This is a big budget movie is what is crazy about this. Well, I mean, that's what we're here. That's what I'm asking you. What do you think? It was? No, but I mean, like I'm trying to put the like the scenes are big and it's all like real actual work. Like it, it's like a big and then you could see the money. Yeah, especially because so much of it is sound stages. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the shot where he's standing up and like praising the moon as the moon's coming up. Yeah. Like that was a very, very cool shot, especially for 1990. But I bet that cost them so much money. So what do you guys think it was? I'm going to say it's at least two million. I'm going to say eight million dollars. OK, the budget for this movie was twenty five million dollars. Holy what? shit. <laughs> yeah. In, in the late 80s. Well, if, yeah, it was probably financed in 89. Right. How did this happen? So if you adjust that for inflation, that is. Almost $50 million of a budget, <laughs> which is insane. But I mean, there are movies that are made for well more than that nowadays. And that's adjusted Not, for today's yeah, money. Right? Marvel movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. This has got to be one of the most expensive romantic comedies of all time. It's probably up there. Yeah. So what do you guys think it made its first week out, which it came out March 9th of 1990? Eight million dollars. It didn't make that. I'm I'm thinking that first week maybe one million. Okay, Mikey, you were pretty close. It made nine point two million dollars. It got beat by the Hunt for Red October, which was the number one movie that week. Oh, that's a good movie. It is, and that movie actually brought in fourteen million dollars that week, and it was its second week out. The number two movie was Joe versus the Volcano, and made nine point two. Number three was House Party, and number four was Bad Influence, and number five was Driving Miss Daisy. So that was the top five that week hmm. that Joe versus the Volcano came out. It came in second, which is not bad, but what do you guys think it made in its total theatrical run in the box office? 21 million. Okay. Yeah, that's about where I'm at, too, like 20 mil. Okay, so right in the 20 millions, it actually made $39 million. So it just barely made budget. I mean, they made a little bit of money on the movie. If you adjust for inflation, that's like $85 million. So it made money, but it didn't do amazing. It, it wasn't a sleeper hit like Sleepers in Seattle or You've Got Mail. Yeah. yeah. But that's box office. So do you think they're still together? I think they died on that raft. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that they literally were together the rest of their lives. Those two crazy kids 
figured it out for those two days until they died of dehydration on the snake Pliskin raft that they had built. Yes. I think they had a lot of kids. I think they made it back on their the invincible luggage full of things they needed at all times, and they, they made it. The only way I could see them making it back is if news of the volcanic eruption reached the re- like the mainland and people came out to try and rescue people for the volcano and they got picked up along the way. So would you date Tom Hanks in this movie, Paige? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I wouldn't want to be with a hypochondriac like this either. I here's the thing. He's Hypochond- not by the end. Hypochondriac's one thing. Listening to those monologues every day, that is a fucking nother. No, <laughs> thank you. So, no. Mikey, Meg Ryan. Which version? I, I think we should go with the one that he actually ends up with. I feel like that's the way. Yeah. Patricia? Yeah, Patricia. Yeah, I'd go for it, I think. Okay. That's fair. I, I kind of like her. She's fine, Yeah, I, I mean, guess. she can sail. Not well. and honestly honestly it was dagmar that was doing the sailing yeah it was amanda Plummer saving the day and stealing the scenes again love amanda (laughs) Plummer, so good now if i did date her and she wanted to get married after five days it probably wouldn't work out mikey knowing you i know it wouldn't but i don't think that's necessarily bad i think if someone wants to get married after five days there's a problem there that needs to be addressed i would say patricia no angelica yeah what about nathan lane yes have you seen the birdcage, Mikey? <laughs> Forever. Always. Absolutely. I, lo- I love Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane could do no wrong. Even if <laughs> even if I just had to be a beard for Nathan Lane, I'm here for it. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so this week we watched Joe versus the Volcano. Mikey, what are you making us watch next week? I'm going to give you guys a choice. This is new. We're going to watch a Netflix romantic comedy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to <laughs> do you want to watch a brand new one about the holidays called Holiday? Oh. Holy <laughs> shit. How can that be the title? That is like, hey, I'm just throwing out ideas. First idea, worst idea. Let's just get it out and get it moving. Holiday. No, that's horrible. What's the next idea? No one got to what's the next idea. They just went with the holiday. It sounds so bad. It's good. And right now, I, my pick is holiday, unless you can beat I, I know. it. I mean, I would watch it. <laughs> I just sent you the picture of it. They Netflix emailed me about it today. This is not and how was, we're picking movies going forward. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. And it's rated mature. What is it, a porn? I mean, listen, Mikey, I am not saying no to this, but what is the second option? Yeah, what's the second option? The so- the second option is You'll Always Be My Maybe. Oh, that's a good movie. Yes. So I'm going to let you guys pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying Holiday as well. Yeah. yeah it's I- a hot new Netflix new release. <laughs> I, and listen, I am fully on board to do holiday, even though it's not really Christmas time and there's a Christmas tree in the picture you sent us. But I don't see any reason why we can't dig into the season a little early. I mean, it's always Christmas in my heart. <laughs> Agreed. And I am a hardcore Christmas person and this will fall Same. after Halloween. So it's fine. I know that we will eventually get to always be my maybe because it's it's right. Reportedly it, I, that very was my good. first choice. Yeah. But then I got this email and I was like. <laughs> Sometimes when the universe tells you what to do, Mikey, you need to listen. It's a sign. It's It's a sign. sign. It's like the volcano. I'm going to get Netflix to start emailing you about who you should date. This should tell you about my viewing habits. If this is like, Michael, we have a new movie on Netflix. You have to see it. 
It's holiday. It's also super weird that they're sending you email recommendations of movies. Oh, Netflix is really weird on their emails. They also send me emails as reminders to finish things. Like, yeah. hey, Michael, you haven't finished Umbrella Academy. Are you going to do that? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, it's terrible. That's commitment. <laughs> See, I get the same thing, but all of mine are like, hey, you didn't finish these three murder documentaries. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> So the Netflix hot new release holiday. <laughs> so guys, your homework this week is to get wine drunk, put on your ugliest Christmas sweater in November and watch holiday on Netflix. Look how excited pages. I was so happy. I think it's going to be great. I think we should all take pictures of ourselves in ugly Christmas sweaters watching holiday and just post it to Instagram. I mean, this is why we started this podcast. I want to watch weird shit like this all the time. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm going to get a white chocolate peppermint mocha. Hell yes, yeah. that's what I was going to get. That's what I was going to get. Oh, my God. Mikey got way too excited, and I'm very concerned. And I'm just going to cuddle up in one of my Christmas quilts and watch it. Let's do it. <laughs> we're going to have a good it. time this week. It's going to be so Because good. once November hits, we're doing all holiday movies forever i am here for it. if that's what we're doing if we are going whole hog into that i know what my next movie is and it's gonna be I, fire. okay no Let's joke i already have one picked out for that <laughs> specifically because i love christmas rom-coms or in fact the Me one too. i pick is not really a comedy there are some funny elements but i love christmas romantic movies oh me too you guys this is going to work out. We'll do it all winter until the sun comes back out. I feel like what we just heard is what Mikey is going to send his Tinder profile match tonight. <laughs> We're going to do it all winter till the sun comes back out. On Dasher, on Dancer, on Skanky, on... <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's going to be like, well, I don't have renter's insurance. I'm so glad you guys are down for holiday, man. I'm so I got that email today and I was chuckling. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yes, that sounds like a definite maybe. So while you're looking one up here real quick, let me explain to them how they can have their review run on the podcast. And that is to leave us a five-star text review so Mikey has something to read. It's really easy. Just go to your podcast app on your iPhone and leave a review. It really does help people find the show. Mikey, do you have one? Yeah, I got one. Noise. The Dark Star 68 uh, has a review entitled Laughing the Whole Time. Aw. I love this podcast, exclamation point. Why, thank you. The, the hosts have me laughing the whole time and make my day. I have watched most of these movies before and enjoyed the Ever After episode so much I had to pull out my DVD and watch it again. <laughs> I laughed. I cried. I enjoyed this more than I remembered. Thank you for reminding me. Aww. Five stars. Thank you so much for your awesome review. We really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So, guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome everywhere. So that's going to be it for us this week. I'm Paige. <laughs> I'm Mikey. <laughs> and I'm Todd. And you complete us.
to completion. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Later, babies. Baby. <laughs> <laughs>